Radio. I'm Max Reaper, the editor of Royals Review. Joining me as usual is Sean Newkirk. Sean, how are you doing this evening? About, about almost as good as I can. I'm not quite at peak. You know, it's September almost. We're wearing down on the season, so I'm a little. It's a marathon, but I'm getting there. Well, we may have to put you on an articles limit as the season goes. Mm-hmm. I don't want to overwork your arm. You know, it's yeah. it's been a long season, so we yeah. may have to limit your, uh, your what your output this year. Uh, also joining us is Alex Duvall. You can read bo- uh, both at Royals Review and at Royals Farm Report. Thanks for joining us, Alex. Max, thanks for having me. Yeah, well, the, you know, the Royals got a little bit younger over the summer, and they got rid of some older veterans while calling up some younger players. Many fans, I think, were hoping the team could catch a little bit of a spark as they did last season when they played well to end the season, uh, you know, based largely on some of the play of the younger players, but that hasn't happened yet this year so far. And in fact, many of the younger players they've brought up have struggled so far, uh, especially Nicky Lopez, Bubba Starling, and Ryan O'Hearn is struggling. Uh, Chesler Cuthbert, if you want to throw him in there as well, went through an 0-40 for 40 hitless streak at one point. But Alex, what's your reaction to the struggles from some of these young players so far? Is it something to be concerned about, or is this you know just kind of the growing pains of being a young player in the big leagues? Yeah, I don't think there's anything to be concerned about because I don't know that many of these guys are you know pieces moving forward, um, save for like Nicky Lopez or Umberto Arteaga and Brett and Bubba Starling, where you know I think Arteaga and Starling, I think best case scenario their defensive replacements on a good team i still think lopez can be nicky lopez can be something in a, in a regular rotation um, i think he'll be fine um, but some of these guys like cuthbert um and, and starling they're just not everyday guys um i think best case scenario both of them are bench bats or defensive replacements you know at best um, and so if you expected these guys to be starters, uh, I think there's reason to be worried because I think you're you, you're probably realizing now that, you know, they're probably not. Um, but but in terms of, you know, expectations versus actual results, this is kind of about what we expected, um, you know, over at Royal Farm Report specifically. We, we kind of warned people not to get too excited about Bubba Starling's offensive output in, in Omaha. Um, and I know a lot of people really were excited to see if he could do it in the big leagues. And I, and I just think this is kind of who he is. Um, a lot of these guys are overexposed to big league pitching. Um, and I just don't think that this is any different than what we would see um, two years from now if you gave them 600 plate appearances a year for the next couple of seasons. Yeah, and I think like you know, it's a lot of the fans want to see some of the younger players, and, and understandably so. I mean, there's no upside seeing Lucas Duda out there all the time. But I think – I think you're right. You, you make a good point that it's it, you know just because we want to see some of these younger players, they're not going to be a, a, a solution to all their problems. And in fact, they're probably going to struggle. And in fact, they have Sean. And you know, a lot of these guys weren't top prospects or even even top prospects in the Royals organization. I mean, even a guy like Bubba Starling, who, who was at one point, it's been several years, you know, since he was considered a top prospect. So, I mean, how do you see these guys going forward? Are they guys that we should bring back? for another season. I know some some fans already want to kind of cut bait on some of these players, but they are young players and sometimes it takes a while for guys to figure things out. Uh, what do you what are you kind of seeing with these younger guys so far? I mean, I think Alex was basically got it. I mean, it, it's such a cop out to say like, "Oh, they are kind of who we kind of figured they are." But I mean, I don't know. It makes sense most of these guys like Cuthbert. Um, I mean, I think we've seen a lot of him and kind of know what we've got with him. I like giving Starling or um, I know you didn't mention Brett Phillips, but I like giving these guys maybe a little bit more because there's some excitement to it. But like, what's the upside with Cuthbert? I mean, we can already know what he is. Um, 
he can't hit very well. He can't field. I mean, maybe he gets become a better hitter, but he's still not usable. So a lot of these guys have kind of already warmed out their stay. Um, if you were on Fangraphs today, uh, today being Monday, um, Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs had a nice little piece about what bad teams can do and giving opportunities. Basically, you know, they have about 12,000 teams have like 12,000 innings and plate appearances to give out to guys. And um, it, the whole point is to keep churning guys to see what you've got. And so I think a lot of these folks, we've kind of already figured out really what they are. Um, you know, there's some good loyalty to be had there still, but I don't know. I think some, some or many you can move on from. Well, I guess that is a question like how, how many at bats do you give a guy? I know Dayton Moore's kind of said like a thousand at bats, but of course, I think that's he think he's talking more about like the guys with a little bit of a pedigree, like Mike Mustakas, yeah. who struggled early on. I don't think he's going to give a thousand plate appearances necessarily, like Chester Chester Cuthbert. Um, but it's not like these guys are being pushed by you know young prospects in in Omaha or Northwest Arkansas right now. Maybe in some cases, you know, Khalil Lee, Calvin Guerrero's could push some of these guys out of a roster spot. But um, you know, it's it's not like, you know, we have any better options at this point. Uh, and maybe that'll change this offseason if they hit the waiver wire and make some good trades or even delve into free agency. Um, but I'm kind of okay giving these guys an extended look. And I don't, I'm not super high on really any of them except for maybe Nicky Lopez, who I'm not even like that high on, but I think he's got more upside than maybe the other guys. Maybe a little bit on Brett Phillips as well, because I don't think he needs to even hit that well to be a useful player. Uh, but I think you guys are kind of right that it's, it's, you know, these guys were never considered to be like top prospects in all baseball. And, you know, a lot of fans look at our farm system and, and look at some of the numbers are putting up and think, oh, that looks pretty good. But like, look, if you compare that to like any farm system in baseball, I think you'd be uh, you'd realize that it's, it's a lot of guys are putting up really good numbers in AAA right now. Uh, and, and when you look at their ages too, what they, you know, what they were doing in the minors uh, kind of puts it into better context. Uh, so, I don't know. We'll see. There was an article today about uh, from Jeffrey Flanagan about Nicky Lopez adding some weight this offseason, Alex. And, you know, we saw what that did with Whit Merrifield. He really transformed himself and hit for more power. Nicky Lopez, obviously a guy that, you know, has always been able to put the bat on the ball, but, um, you know, certainly not hitting it for with any kind of authority. Uh, his his, his uh, hard hit contact rate is pretty low this year. Do you think that adding weight can make a difference for him. I mean, if, 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 if he actually does do the Whit Merrifield weight plan, is he maybe a guy that can transform his career a little bit? Yeah. And I don't think he's going to transform his career to the point where he hits 15 home runs a year, like Whit has the last few seasons, but just the ability to hit the ball hard enough to run up a batting average on balls in play higher than 266, which is what it is right now, right? So, I mean, you just need to be able to hit the ball hard enough to find a hole. If, if everything you hit is 75 miles an hour or 80 miles an hour, um, even if you place it right, you know, fielders are going to be able to get to the ball. And, and I think that's kind of the big thing for Nicky Lopez. And one thing that specifically that I look for in the development of minor league players is are they making adjustments while they have success? And I think that's one big thing that I've loved from Jackson Coar this year is all the success that Coar's had in the minors. You know, he has continued to throw his curveball more than would be necessary for him to get outs because he knows it's he knows it's important for him moving forward. With a guy like Nicky Lopez, we haven't seen any substantial changes to his body um, really over the last couple of seasons. Which, when a guy's having success, it is it is hard to tell him that he needs to be making changes. You know, he's he, Nicky Lopez, for the most part, hit everywhere along the line. 
And so the Royals can tell him, you know, hey, Nicky, uh, you know, in order to have success at the big league level, we need to start putting some muscle on him, gaining some weight. And Lopez can take that for what it's worth. He can listen. He can be respectful. But, you know, in his head, maybe, you know, I'm having as much success as I'm having. What do you mean I need to make changes? Why should I do anything different when I'm getting hits? And so um, maybe this season was a little bit of a wake-up call for him. Um, and, and I really don't know that, you know, to be the case, but it is entirely possible just because we haven't seen him make that transformation yet. So um, I think that's something that can be really, really good for him. And, you know, if he comes back next year and just raises his batting average on balls in play, you know, closer to 300, um, he'll start walking more because guys are, are a little more um, skeptical of just giving him strikes to hit. And, um, you know, I think, I think a better hard hit rate and hitting the ball a little bit harder you know, will help him in that regard. You know, he's only striking out 13% of the time. So the peripherals are there. Um, it's just a matter of now hitting the ball with authority enough for it to matter. Yeah, and I think a lot of times the offseason is, is where your season kind of changes because, you know, we've seen some players didn't look like they were much. I mean, I'm reminded of like J.D. Martinez with the Astros. Uh, you know, he, he looked like just a, you know, triple-A outfielder really. And then he goes and kind of changes his swing and, and becomes a, a beast in Detroit, uh, you know, Alec Lewis had an article about Jorge Soler. Uh, you know, his clear career was kind of floundering, and he went to Miami and worked with a hitting instructor down there, changed the swing a little bit, and of course, he had the kind of season he's having now. You know, like you said, it's about a, it's about making adjustments. Some guys need to add weight, like Jorge Lopez. Uh, Matt Lamar had a nice article this year about Brett Phillips changing his swing a little bit. So, you know, if they can make those changes, and that's kind of the, why you get some of these younger players, is because. They still have the ability to remake themselves a little bit and have some higher upside. And so that's why I kind of think it's worth holding on to some of these guys. Like Ryan O'Hearn is really struggling, but I think if like he were able to change his swing and get a little more lift on the ball, he could be a totally different player. Uh, you know, Nicky Lopez, if he adds 15 pounds of muscle, yeah, I don't think he's going to be like a 15 home run player like you say, but he can if he can be a gap-to-gap kind of hitter uh, and get just hard hit line drives into the outfield, he becomes a different kind of hitter. So... Uh, yeah, we'll see how these players react, and, and like you know, like you say, Hike, it's all about adjustments and how you react to the off season. But uh, uh, you know, we'll, hopefully the Royals get at least one or two of these guys. You know, Hunter Dozier's another guy that kind of you know was wasn't looking like his career was doing all that great, and then suddenly turned it on. Uh, and then we had some encouraging signs from him last year, even when he wasn't putting up good numbers. But um, but certainly he's a guy that's really taking it to another level this year. So we'll uh, we'll definitely keep yeah, our eyes it- on that. While we're on the topic of Nicky Lopez real quick, I know he's been disappointing overall overall offensively, but in the second half of the season, he's only striking – he's striking out in less than 8% of his plate appearances um, at the big league level, which is wildly impressive. I don't have the major league splits leaderboards um, pulled up in front of me, but I'm assuming that if he's striking out in less than 8% of his plate appearances um, since the All-Star break, that that has to be in like the top 1% of the major leagues um i don't know of anybody else who would be doing anything like that like there's there's not a major league player who's doing that all year i I think that's really impressive and a testament to some adjustments he's made um you know that he has made that adjustment and putting the ball in play more and and yeah i've got it right here he's leading the major leagues in strikeout percentage since y'all since july 22nd with a 6.4 percent so there you go um, he's clearly made an adjustment since he's been here. I think now it's just a matter of can you hit the ball with enough authority for it to matter. Yeah, it did seem like when he first came up, I think he was a little surprised by the strike zone. Uh, it just I remember he was taking a lot of third 
uh, strike calls. And so, yeah, it's sometimes there's just that adjustment period where you need to get used to the big leagues and you need to make those adjustments. And that that's kind of, kind of makes and breaks your career a lot of times. So so that's that's interesting to see. Well, you know, we could see the team add even more young players this September when they expand rosters. This will be the last year teams can expand rosters to 40, as baseball has uh, proposed limiting September rosters to 28 next year. So in the meantime, you can expect a few more roster additions for the Royals this year in September. Uh, we'll likely see Danny Duffy return this weekend. Adalberto Montesi, they're going to activate, I think, around September 1st. Uh, we'll also, you know, we could also see Cam Gallagher return. I'm not sure I've heard much on his injury, but I'm sure the Royals would like to get him back in the fold. Uh, Jake Newberry could return from the injured list as well. Uh, and then pitcher Jesse Hahn, who I'd forgotten about, and I'm sure a lot of fans had forgotten about, uh, he's rehabbing right now. We could see him make an appearance in September. He, he would be making his Royals debut. <laughs> which is kind of crazy to think of, but uh, he is rehabbing and trying to get back on track. So those players will seem like they, they, they're likely to add, to join the roster in September. But I wanted to look at some of the minor leaguers that could come up in September uh, rosters. And uh, I divided the players into three categories. Uh, players that were already up this year and could be recalled. Players that are already on the 40-man roster and could be brought up for the first time. And then players that would have to be added to the 40-man roster to be added uh, to the active roster. So let's just go over a few names, and, and I'll get your guys' impressions about whether or not they're going to get called up or whether or not you think they could get called up. Let's go over the recall, the guys that have been up already once this year. And so in that list, I have Jorge Bonifacio, Heath Fillmeyer, Brian Flynn, who's actually not on the 40-man roster right now, but he is still in the organization. We have third baseman Calvin Gutierrez and then pitcher Richard Lovelady. Of those, Alex, who do you think is going to make a return to Kansas City this September? I think Richard Love. Lady is pretty pretty much a, a foregone conclusion that he'll be back. Um, I, I I am really frustrated at the way the Royals have handled him. I, I don't necessarily understand their their usage of him and and how and why they've used him um, so far in in 2019. Um, so I think he's probably the biggest uh, guy we'll see again. I would expect them to recall Jorge Bonifacio. Um, I, I am not a fan. At personally, of Jorge Bonifacio, I think he should already be gone. But you know, whatever. Um, I think he will be back, um, and I think this will be his last go round in Kansas City, unless he is really good. Um, he doesn't run, he doesn't defend, and he has not been very good about getting on base so far in his big league career. Um, so if he comes up in September and he hits, I think he'll get one more look in 2020, uh, just because the Royals don't really have other great options ready to roll in the minors. Um, but if he's if he if he hits even just his career average, I think there's a 99 percent chance he's gone um, as soon as the season ends. But I think so. Anyways, I think Lovelady and Bonifacio are probably the two guys that we'll for sure see. And the rest of the and the rest of everybody, um, Cam Gallagher figures to make a return. Um, but yeah, I think I think Boney and Lovelady, the only two guys, maybe Mondesi, that we're uh, definitely going to see in September. Sean, is there anyone on that list you, you are kind of interested to see come back in September? I mean, it's just basically love lady. Um, I kind of like Calvin Gutierrez for what he is. I think he could be an okay kind of utility-ish kind of guy. Um, but, I mean, of of the, what, one, two, three, four, or the five you cited, I mean, it it would be almost in reverse order. Uh, love lady Gutierrez at one and two, and then... I guess actually probably what you did, Lovelady, Gutierrez, Flynn, Fillmire, Bonifacio. Uh, I, I think in that order, is, I, I think that's who I want to see. Uh, but 
not that excited about the, the last three. Sorry, I okay. should have included Gutierrez in there. I think he'll definitely be up in September. I should have added him. Yeah, he's 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 been on fire for Omaha lately, and and with Dozier moving to right field, that kind of opens up an opportunity for him to maybe get some regular playing time in September and show a little bit what he can do. And and, and you know he's getting to the point where maybe he's kind of proven what he can do in AAA. And and I'm not saying he's going to open up next season as a starting third baseman or anything, but he could be in the mix. And 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 if you especially if he plays well. In September, so it's kind of a nice, you know, nice audition opportunity to see what he can do. And I know he didn't really play very well when he came up before. You know, his glove was really uh, lauded by a lot of scouts, and he came up, and, and the defense didn't really look uh, like what we had heard in the scouting reports. His bat, uh, you know, he had some moments, but the bat wasn't really that consistent. So, you know, if he gets some, some maybe some more regular playing time now, maybe we'd see a different Kelvin Gutierrez, and maybe he can make, you know, make a splash and put himself on the map for next year. So that'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, Richard Lovely has been kind of confounding. He pitched really well early on, and then his last, what, eight, nine outings, he's been um, kind of giving up a run every single time out, and I know it's been really frustrating for him. And, um, yeah, the usage has been a little bit um, baffling. Um, but, you know, I think he's a guy that definitely will come back up, and I'm sure he's a guy that the organization thinks really well of. I mean, uh, you know, there were some reports that teams were asking about him at the trade deadline. So, you know, he's certainly a guy that, that has a future, but, um, uh, you know, you'd certainly like to see him get back on track in September. Uh, Bonifacio, I, we may talk about him a little bit more when we talk about your article, Alex, but yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. I think the clock's ticking on him and, um, you know, he, he's never really bounced back from that suspension for performance enhancing drugs. And when you're a guy that doesn't play very good defense in the outfield, you really have to hit like Solaire to have any kind of, you know, spot on the team. And he certainly doesn't hit like that. So, um, the, the, yeah, I think his, his time may be coming to an end in Kansas City. Uh, th- then there are three guys that are not on the for- that are on the forty-man roster right now, uh, but have not pitched in the big leagues. Scott Blewett, uh, who pitched at AAA Omaha this year. Connor Green, uh, who pitched in AA, and Arnaldo Hernandez, who pitched at both levels. Alex, uh, do any of those three names uh, excite you much, or are those guys, uh, you know, likely to be casualties on the forty-man roster this offseason? You know, before this season, they they all intrigued me. I, Scott Blewett was really good in the Arizona Fall League. Um, Arnaldo Hernandez made, made a really good uh, rise through the system last year, um, and I was really excited for all for both of those guys specifically coming into the year. Now, I, I don't think that um, we'll see any of them, including Connor Green, uh, this season. I, I mean, Connor Green has the best chance to come in and pitch out of the big league bullpen. I just don't think it's likely. Um, and Connor Green's probably been the best of them, but again, I just think there's, you know, a lot of arms and I just don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but, um, Blue and Hernandez probably definitely not. Um, and, and their struggles, I don't know how to, if we should detail them to the ball at AAA or if they're just, you know, not what we, what I thought they were going to be. Um, Hernandez velocity has been down. I've, I, we heard a scout tell us that, you know, he was too infatuated with spinning his stuff and not throwing hard so I think all of those guys are at least another year away I think they all have some developmental stuff they need to work through before they get exposed to big league hitters um I haven't given up on on any of the three long term I just don't think this year would be appropriate fair or necessary to call them up and I think they'd all get handled pretty well uh by a big league offense yeah there's some talk in spring training about Blewett being maybe a dark horse to make the team a as a reliever, and he went to Omaha this year and just really struggled this year. And I know it's been a you know juiced ball down there, but I think his ERA was over eight this year down there, which 
uh, with a high walk rate too. So, you know, Connor Green is a guy that I think has some intriguing velocity. Uh, the Royals claimed him off waivers. Sean, is there, is there anything you see with, with maybe Connor Green or, or Nando Hernandez that makes you think, you know, the Royals should give them at least an, an audition here in September? Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, you asked if they are exciting, and I thought, like, well, they're exciting in the sense that you've got this long, awful relationship, and you're just bored, and so you break up, and you're excited <laughs> to get back into the game, and you'll date kind of anybody that's out there just to get back in the game. And so, yeah, I mean, it'll be nice having somebody else pitching. That would be exciting, um, but not not to the sense of, like, you know, when they called up Ventura or something like that, or even when they called up Kyle Zimmer. That was exciting. It didn't obviously hasn't worked out, and we'll still remains to be seen what kind of pitcher he is, but those two guys, um, as whatever her name is, would say, do not bring joy. <laughs> Marie Kondo, yes. Marie Kondo. They do not, they do not bring joy. Uh, yeah. Two pitchers that do bring a lot of joy, however, are Jackson Coar and Brady Singer. They've really, uh, Coar has been dominating all year. He is up in double-A now. Singer, after a little bit of a rough start, has really pitched well his last couple times out for the for the Naturals. Uh, they're winding down their season. Uh, they're not in the 40-man roster right now. They don't need to be added to the 40-man roster uh, as far as Rule 5 protection. But, Alex, should the Royals be considering bringing Jackson Coar and Brady Singer up to the big leagues just a little over a year after uh, selecting them in the first round? Yeah, I don't know. I would have to go back and look at innings limit, or not innings limits, but innings from last year, innings from this year, and just you know make sure that any of that was squared away before I make this comment. But assuming that the innings were fine and that you know they're not up against an innings number, um, I, I don't know why you wouldn't. And so that I wrote that article today over at Royals Review about purging the forty-man roster. And in the article, I mentioned that if I was dating more, I would add Brady Singer and Jackson Coar to the 40-man roster this offseason and a lot of people disagreed with me and but I had like these conflicting arguments and, and some people argued I think Max maybe you even ma- made this point that you know the Royals don't necessarily need to cut bait with all of their you know bums that there's probably not going to be much better on the waiver wire and so they should hold on and just see what happens and then there's also the argument that you know we should give our guys a shot and that our guys you know whatever but, but which is it? Do you want to give the, your guys the shot or do you want to ravage the waiver wire and see what's out there? And I would just argue that if, you're, if your philosophy is let's give our guys a shot, let's give our best guys a shot. And so I would be all in favor of sending a message to your pitching staff by saying, here are the two young guys. Um, and, and by the way, I think Brady Singer and Jackson Coar are both – more than capable of handling that mentally, right? If I thought there was any doubt, then I wouldn't be saying any of this. I think they're 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 a rare breed in that. But you know, here they are. Uh, they're going to pitch starting now or starting on opening day in 2020. And if you don't figure out whatever it is that you're struggling through quickly, um, you know, we're going to move on. We can't. You know, we've, we're in the middle of consecutive 100 lost seasons. I, I don't necessarily understand the philosophy of holding on to a glut of players that are the biggest reasons that you've lost 100 games two years in a row when you have guys at double a who are perfectly capable in my opinion of coming up and doing just as bad um i i am a fan of being aggressive i am a fan of setting a precedent and setting a tone and you know as an educator as someone who works with young people as someone who played college baseball with guys who are brady singer and jackson coar's age you know, they, they should both be seniors in college this year. 
they were obviously drafted as juniors, going to 22-year-olds and saying, hey, we're putting you on the 40-man roster. Uh, we want you to be bulldogs heading into spring training with the uh, you know opportunity to make a big league rotation on opening day. I think that would do, A, wonders for their confidence, but B, you know, put a sense of urgency into the rest of the pitching staff. I know logistically on with roster space, it doesn't make the most sense, and I get that. But you've just lost 100 losses in consecutive seasons. Um, I don't know what you have to lose. You can keep holding on to bad players if you want. Bad players aren't just going to become good players at the age of 30 which most of the guys that I suggested cutting are getting close to 30. So, um, you know, I get that it's probably not logistically the best thing in terms of roster space, but I would not hesitate to put those two guys on the roster and just say, go get it, um, and let's just see what happens. No, I think that's a good point. I mean, I, I think, you know, there are certainly a lot of – there's a lot of dead weight on the 40-man roster, and either – you listed a couple names where I'm like, yep, yeah, I would totally get rid of him, and, and you know, Jacob Barnes, I don't think he has a future with this team. Uh, Chis Hahn certainly can't stay healthy. Trevor Oaks, you know, is coming off a major injury and can probably be re-signed to a minor league contract if they really wanted to bring him back. Uh, a couple even a couple other names you didn't even mention, I think like Arnaldo Arnaldo Hernandez at this point – Probably doesn't need to be on the 40-man roster. Probably clear waivers. Scott Blewett's a guy that they could probably get rid of. I think there's a way to get a lot of spots. Uh, so I don't I don't know if I necessarily disagree with you that, uh, that you know, I don't know if I'd call it a purge. I don't know if I'd go as far as you do, but there are definitely a lot of guys you could get rid of. And they should have a lot of 40-man roster spots going into this winter. So, you know, the argument has always been that the Royals don't want to add guys like Jackson Coar and Brady Singer before they have to protect them because they want to keep those 40-man roster spots. Well, going into this winter, they could have quite a few open roster spots. Still, though, I think you want to maximize those spots, and if you do uh, do want to, you know, go after and be aggressive on the waiver wire, be aggressive. That you know, every roster spot you give to a guy that doesn't need it necessarily right now uh, does kind of limit your abilities. That that would be my main concern, um, you know, and also I guess a little bit of you know, I'd worry about rushing Singer and Coar. A little bit, uh, but but I think they would have a better grasp on that. But Sean, what do you think about the uh, the idea of bringing Coar and Singer up to the major leagues this September and seeing what they, what they can do? Yeah, um, I don't know. I think I, I think because they don't have to, to have to be added um, since they're not five eligible. And like, I mean, let's be honest, the Royals need to hold them down for two weeks um, coming up. I know it sucks, but if the game is there, you got to play the game, and the service time manipulation game is definitely there. And for a team like the Royals, who, even though they might not need to pinch pennies necessarily, they are going to pinch pennies, um, making making sure that they don't gain an extra year of free agency. Especially, I wanted to say it's like the Tigers, but the Tigers is kind of wrong. But like with the Tigers and maybe Fulmer and, uh, gosh, I'm thinking of someone else, um, basically promoting guys you know, before when the team is really bad uh, and they're going to continue to be bad. I mean, it's not that you're necessarily burning you know, three, four years, but it could be that. I mean, what if the Royals aren't good by 2023? And I don't think that's inconceivable. Um, and if you call Singer up or if you call Coar up, even next year, I mean, you've, you've effectively burned all three of their um, arbitration-eligible seasons. I mean, maybe they get Super 2, um, but, I mean, uh, uh, basically you've got them for three years of a competitive window, assuming that that starts at sometime in and around 2023. So, 
No, I, I think you still wait. Um, I'd rather use those 40-man spots out on the Rule 5. Uh, just gather up a bunch of dudes and see what you've got. And obviously, that gets decided in spring training, really. Uh, so you kind of know. Then, you know, if you take a guy and he stinks, you give him back, and then you've still got your 40-man spot, um, which you could use to promote, you know, Singer Coar. But I think at least at a minimum, and I wouldn't necessarily even consider double or triple A for those two. Um, I think, you know, double A is about as good as they need to go. And then they can go from double A to MLB. But I would at least give it until, you know, they reach the extra year of control. Um, just like I said, uh, you know, it, it, it's a famous finance quote, but um, if the music's playing, you have to keep dancing. And so that's really what it is. And the Royals have always shown like a reluctance to, like I said, add guys to the 40 man roster before they have to, but they also don't really play the service time games that other teams play, like they brought Alex Gordon up, you know, to play on opening day, Eric Hosmer, they brought him up before the Super 2 arbitration cutoff. Uh, Adalberto Montesi, they brought him up well before uh, they really needed to. Uh, so they don't seem to, like, I guess, care about that as much. Although that yeah, was also but, in a different, um, I guess, uh, rebuild cycle. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, Hosmer came up in May, right? I think it was May. I mean, yeah, so yeah. he would have, he was the extra year. I think Montesi might have had the extra year because they kept him down. So I, I'd like to see when Ventura was brought up um, because I think they've at least always given the extra year. Um, I could get the pre super two. That's fine, especially for. Um, I mean, I mean, they're not elite prospects. It's like Vlad Jr. or maybe Acuna. You know, those guys are like, okay, these guys are probably going to be really good. Like. Being able to have one fewer years of Super 2 is probably going to be nice. It's going to save the team $10 million maybe. But I think Ventura, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, they, brought, they, brought Ventura up to, yeah, they brought Ventura up to the September, as a September call-up in, I think, 13. And then he made the NBA roster in 14. Oh, he did. Okay, yeah. okay. I was thinking he came up and then, like they did with Montesi, because I believe with Montesi they brought him up, then sent him back down which, you know, did not accrue service time for him and then brought him up when he, you know, would have had the extra year control. So never mind. But Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see if they brought up Coar and Singer. I guess I don't anticipate it happening. But, um, I mean, I think you make a good point, Alex. I think it would send a message to reward the players that are actually doing well. You know, I think that's been a little bit of a problem in the organization. At least I've heard, you know, kind of grumbles about that in the past that guys get, you know, passed over that are having good seasons uh, in favor of guys that have the pedigree that aren't having good seasons. So, uh, you know, Coar and Singer definitely have the pedigree as well, but um, it you know, might, might, might be nice to reward some of the guys that are having really solid seasons with the leagues. But, of course, we also have the business of baseball to consider, and, and that'll probably prevent them from, from making an appearance in Kauffman Stadium this year. Uh, there were a couple guys that aren't on the 40-man roster that aren't Coar and Singer that I wanted to at least touch upon to see if you thought they might get called up. Uh, Grant Gavin, local kid, reliever, uh, having a nice season in A. Foster Griffin, who was named to the all Pacific Coast League team today, despite having an ERA of 5.35, and then uh, Nick Heath, who uh, stole 60 bases this year between Double A AA and Triple A, uh, but he uh, did injure his hand this year, and uh, uh, doesn't. I don't know if uh, it's likely he'll uh, spend uh, much more time playing baseball this year. But Alex, are there any other guys not in the 40-man roster you think uh, should maybe be added and, and and get a call up to Kansas City this year? I think Brian Flynn. He got DFA, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think he'll be up. Um, I hope to be re-added, but the Royal, the Royals have space. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him bring Jesse Hahn up. I guess technically, he's kind of he is on the roster. Um, I think Foster Griffin might legitimately get a look. 
Um, the Royals, I mean, especially after tonight, like nights like tonight with this rotation are going to happen where Keller's out of the game in the second inning. Um, and so they're going to need guys to go up here and eat innings. I think Foster Griffin uh, might legitimately get a look after his, um, I guess you can call it a decent season in the PCL. Um, <laughs> I don't think there's a chance that Grant Gavin gets called up. Um, I think there's a chance that he gets added to the 40 this offseason because, and I mentioned this in the article, like the teams like the Astros and the Dodgers who are probably smarter than the Royals, I'm, I'm kind of afraid if the Royals don't protect him that they'll look at his RPMs, which are some of the best in the system, especially on his fastball, um, and go, hey, if rosters expand at 26, we can hide him at the back end of a bullpen, tweak some stuff, and make a legitimate reliever out of him. So um, I don't know that he'll be up in September, but uh, Foster Griffin, Junior Marte might get a shot. He was really good at AA this year. Um, fastball, like you mentioned, can hit 97. Um, I, I wonder if the AAA ball maybe didn't, do wonders for him um so i think foster griffin and junior Marte are gonna get a look for sure and i wouldn't be surprised to see eric mejia uh, get added to the 40-man roster um as well and get a look as a utility infielder uh, just given that umberto artiaga is not hitting uh even a little bit and with mondesi's injuries sean any non 40-man roster guys you think uh, could get the call to kansas city no, I think Alex got most of them um, right there. Um, gosh, no, I think that's probably it. I can't think of anybody in Double A that's like, oh, I need them up. I mean, since they've already promoted um, Starling and Phillips and Stalmont and Zimmer, um, Love Lady's the only guy that I'm going to pound the table for. Yeah, they've already kind of called up most of the young guys, so I feel like there's not. And it's not like the the upper minors were teaming with with talent so you know we may not see that many september call-ups but i think you guys kind of nailed it. i think love lady gutierrez maybe bonifacio uh phil meyer maybe just because he's pitching okay as a reliever now and then hey, how about trevor it. oaks oh wait uh, no. trevor oaks is out oaks is out yeah he's out on his yeah that's so, right i forgot yeah i, forgot. I think it'll be mostly guys coming back from injury guys like han and duffy and and uh and uh maybe gallagher and Montessi, So. Uh, that may be it for the September call. maybe not as exciting as in past years. Uh, you know, it's always fun to see some of those guys get their first major league game, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's going to require more talent in this organization to, to have some of those guys come up in September. So the, the Royals have their work cut out for them. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about a potential new television deal for the Royals. We're back and the, uh, Royals may have a lucrative new television deal. According to Jeffrey Flanagan, he's reporting that the Royals, are close on a deal that could pay them uh, $50 million per year. It's a deal that could be anywhere from 10 to 15 years. Uh, the Royals are currently in the last year with Fox Sports Kansas City. This will be a new deal with Fox Sports Kansas City. Uh, their current deal is considered to be one of the worst in baseball. It pays them about 20 to $25 million uh, per year. Uh, this would send the Royals, you know, certainly a, a still a long way from the Yankees and Dodgers, but it will bring them closer to other smaller market teams like the Reds and uh, Reds, who also get a, a deal that's worth about $50 million. Sean, do you have any quick impressions about, you know, this is still a deal that has yet to be finalized, but um, is that is, is this a least encouraging report for the Royals? Yeah, you know, someone pointed out that the Rays get $85 million at uh, $80 or $85 million. Hold on, i got to look it up. Uh, but, yeah, that was really surprising me. Um, that really surprised me. They get, uh, I just saw the number. Sorry, one second. I know this is super exciting for audience listeners. Uh, 82 million ish yeah. 
first season, um, which is nuts. I mean, I get it; it's a big market, but man, eighty-two million is—it's still thirty million-ish more than the Royals would get, uh, which is crazy. But anyways, um, yeah, I think. I mean, it's a good start, right? I mean, it's almost double what they're making, maybe even more, maybe exactly double or so um, what they have now. I mean, the question is, what are they going to do with it? Um, You know, I kind of went back and forth today that, yes, I mean, Dayton Glass, uh, David Glass spent a bit when the Royals were in contention. Um, They did run some higher payrolls. Uh, but like even then they were still like 14th ish in the league, even like kind of at peak. I, uh, so it's like, yeah, they spent, but like the two problems, I mean, the, the two problems are, you know, one is 14th in the league or so really spending that much. And then two, they kind of really only spent when they were in contention. Cause so the question is like, are they ever going to, they didn't spend to get into contention. They spent when they're already kind of there. So the question is, what are they going to do with the money? Um, it, it's great to have that extra, you know, double what you were receiving. Um, and, and, you know, this should certainly give them no case to kind of cry poor. And they've done maybe a little better uh, recently, not necessarily doing that. Um, and they, you know, they've been willing to spend money. Now they've been spending it on kind of those older veterans that most of us didn't think would work. Uh but I, I mean, it's great. I'm I'm happy they're going to get more money. It'll give them a better reason to spend that money, and um, yeah, I mean, hopefully it, it creates a better on-field product. And you mentioned the Rays getting eighty-two million dollars. Uh, the, the on the flip side of that, the Brewers are kind of in the same boat as the Royals. They're only getting twenty million dollars on their contract, which they're in the last year of their deal. They're going to renegotiate probably a much more lucrative deal. But it kind of depends when you sign these deals. Uh, you, you know, if you sign them a long time ago and you, you're waiting for a new deal, you're kind of getting left out of this 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 new era where teams are just getting enormous deals. And if you wait too long, I mean, there's always the worry that, that, that the bubble will pop and teams aren't going to get these kind of deals anymore. So it looks like the Royals will will at least still get, you know, their, their deal. They're going to get their money, it sounds like, without the bubble popping. And, and Alex, you know, usually these deals are kind of on a stepping uh, steps. Uh, there's they're staggered in a way that you get, you know, 45 million one year, 50 the next, 55 the next. So they may not get $50 million next year, but they'll certainly get a lot more than they got this year, something like 40, 45 million in local TV revenue. They only have about $60 million in contractual obligations for next year. Uh, That's with Alex Gordon coming off the books, a couple other players. Do you see them maybe delving into free agency a little bit? And I'm not talking about the Brad Boxberger, you know, bargain bin. I'm talking about, you know, some decent free agents, or are they still going to maybe uh, play conservative and, and, and maybe uh, save that money for a later date? You know, knowing the way Dayton Moore has operated in the past, I'd like to be able to look at it and, you know, and, and hope and think that, you know, maybe he'd go out and do something that, you know, we think is going to, to help the team um, in a way that would make significant difference uh, to, you know, to the team next year. And, and the problem I think I have with that is I don't know whether or not the money is going to be given to him to make that deal. Um, or even if he gets the money, is he going to have um, the, the ability to spend it the way he wants to? Like, you know they keep they keep spending three million dollars, four million dollars on on four different five different uh, free agents who never pan, seem to pan out. I just assume give one guy uh, sixteen million dollars and, and roll and just and, and see what happens. Um, so anyway, I think there is probably a little bit of a 
um, divide right now between ownership and management that I'd have, I have no clue how to predict how that will play out. But there's some there's some free agents that I really like and that I, I kind of wish um, the Royals would go out and, and just kind of see what happens on the free agent market this offseason. Wade Miley is a guy who kind of revived his career in Houston. Um, I know he's 33, but if you could get him on a on something like a, a one or two year deal for you know 15, 20 million dollars, um, and maybe it doesn't even cost that much. I think he'd be a great guy to see if you could go get him um, to flip and, and just to see what happens after that. Um, and but I don't know, and maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe it does. Um, but I'm looking at hitters too. But I just, I just don't know. I'm, I am so confused as to what's going on in terms of the relationship between ownership and management, um, specifically after that whole Ian Kennedy debacle with with Joey Wentz. Um, that, I, that it's hard for me to make an educated decision on, on what may happen this off season. Well, I can definitely see Dade Moore wanting to pursue a starting pitcher this off season. I, you know, if we look at his history. You know, we know he really believes strongly in starting pitching. He believes in the you know the power of like a, an older veteran to mentor the younger guys. And when you have Coar and Singer and Lynch and, and all these guys coming up, I think he's going to want a guy to kind of be the the guy that shepherds to, them to the big leagues. A guy you know, he, we saw him go after Gilmesh and land Gilmesh in 2007. We saw him go out and make the big trade for James Shield in 2013. So I think it would be kind of his mo to go out and look for a big starting pitcher this off season, whether that's through a. a trade or through free agency obviously he doesn't have a lot of assets to trade right now so it'd have to be someone that maybe has a big contract that someone's looking to get rid of um but i think i can see him adding you know and it's not going to be like an ace it's not going to be like anyone super great um but i can see him maybe trying to be aggressive and make a move and and but you do raise a good point like will ownership allow him to do that they they should have a lot of financial flexibility this year and i think the fact that they've been so bad the last two years is going to put a lot of pressure on ownership to make a big move because i think you know, fans are going to want to see this team start to improve, and rightfully so. So, it would not surprise me at all to see the Royals at least be uh, in on some some pitchers this off season, and um, you know, for for better or for worse, we'll have to see what they come up with. But uh, yeah, and we should, and I should add, here's a list of some pitchers that are available this off season: Steven Strasburg, Mad Bum, Garrett Cole, Zach Wheeler, Hunjin Ru, Wade Miley, Brett Anderson, Julio Tehran, Yu Darvish, Rick Porcello, Jake Arrieta, Tanner Roark, Adam Wainwright, like. There are a lot of guys that are going to be available um, as free agents this offseason. So um, it, it's not like the Royals are going to, have to play up because there's going to be a lot of guys available. It, it may drive the market down a little bit. And a lot of teams that just aren't willing to play pay free agents at all right now. So, you know, can you imagine Madison Baumgartner in a Royals uniform? <laughs> that'd, be, uh, that'd be pretty oh interesting. <laughs> that would be um, irony at its cruelest. Yeah. Um, the other news, Brad Keller is uh, apparently not going to go 100 pitches in a start for the rest of the year. Didn't come anywhere close to 100 pitches on Monday night against the A's. Um, he, uh, But he will have a pitch limit, and they're going to also monitor his innings. They haven't really said anything about a hard limit for his innings, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be pitching the last couple weeks of the season. Uh, he went 111 pitches in a start you know, about two months ago against Washington. Uh, but Neos just kind of put the brakes on him since then. Alex, do you do you agree with putting Keller on a, on a little bit of limit like this? I just don't understand why the like the timing of it. Like it seems like, and I'd have to go back and do do some research to to make sure I was right in this this thought. But it seems like Ned Yost has ran Brad Keller out into into later innings like unnecessarily at times this year. 
like into the seventh inning of a start where he's thrown 98 pitches and he runs him back out into the seventh inning. Um, I just, and I, and so early on I was like, okay, fine. He's their horse. They're going to ride him, And I guess let's roll. And now all of a sudden you're worried about his innings. So I don't, I don't understand what the thought process was early on. If this is how you're going to treat him later in the year. So no, I don't inherently disagree with, with limiting a second year big leaguers innings. Um, to an extent but at the same time what were you doing early on if this was going to be your plan all along this kind of scares me in a sense that maybe the royals are flying by the seat of their pants because this wasn't the plan all along in which case i'm a little worried about the plan itself that this is something they just have now come up with so keller has never pitched more than 142 innings in a professional season uh last year he pitched 140 with the royals this year he's already at uh, 164 plus, a, uh, I guess, an inning tonight uh, against the Athletics. Uh, so he'll, you know, this is more than you know, uncharted territory for him. Sean, is this uh, kind of the prudent, te- uh, prudent uh, plan for Keller? And and is this was this even a plan? Is it, it does it does kind of? I agree with Alex. It does kind of seem uh, fly by the seat of their pants a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's prudent for sure. I mean safety is incredibly important on kind of these lost seasons. I mean, there's no reason and not that maybe, you know, I'm obviously a much bigger proponent of pitch pitches, number of pitches rather than innings. Um, because, you know, we know that a three pitch inning is different than a 40 pitch inning. Um, but they get kind of the exact same. So, but yeah, I mean, safety is important. I'm not actually sure even if he went to 160 or something, it would really matter. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely agree that if you're going to – I think that if you're going to be prudent, this is the time to do it. When on lost years, you don't want to injure Keller when you really don't need to. It's the same thing as playing your quarterback or something in preseason. Um, it's not going to do any good. You know, wait till kind of more important times. And, if, you know, they need to shut him down. Big deal. I mean, it, he misses a month in September where you can try out other guys. You've got the expanded rosters. I mean, there's a lot more to worry about than how many innings Keller pitches here in September. So I've got no qualms with shutting them down and going safe if they think that innings are going to be an issue that could, you know, eventually hurt his arm. The Royals said that Alberto Mondesi is set to return uh, when rosters expand in September. He's he's already hit. He's taken some grounders. He's played some rehab games in Omaha. Uh, but the Royals have also given him instructions that he can't dive for any ground balls. He can't dive headfirst into any bases. So that's going to limit his play a little bit. Um, he, you know, of course, he injured his shoulder diving for a foul ball uh, a couple months ago. Uh, some people will think he should be shut down, Sean, uh, after his shoulder injury, and there's no point of him coming back in September. What do you think? Should, he, uh, should the Royals shut him down for the year, or should he uh, at least make a go of it? No, I mean, what's he going to be able to do if he can't? He can't slide. He can't dive. I mean, like, what's the point of having him out there then? I mean, if you're really worried about him hurting himself by diving and sliding, which, I mean, I guess is legit, but, I mean, like, just don't play him. I mean, what's it going to do? Again, it's it's September in a terrible season. I mean, if you're really concerned about injury, then just don't play him. Otherwise, let him have the full range of motion. So I'm okay with it. Um, Shut him down if you want. Uh, I mean, I would shut him down if that's the concern. Um, you know, I, there's no reason to push a guy who's been hurt, basically, not every year, but who's been hurt often in his career. I don't know if you looked at the history injury or history for the shoulder injuries of that type, but it seemed like, I, I guess my impression was he was going to be out for longer than 
than they said, and I was actually kind of surprised yeah. they came back at all this year. I had the median at three weeks. Hold on, let me find it. Um, I did look it up, and I okay. tweeted it. So let me find the tweet real quick. Um, but, because, yeah, I think I found the median was at, like, three weeks. Okay, uh, I thought it was longer see. than that. So I, maybe I didn't have many. I'm sorry, three weeks. 63 days. Okay. Um, oh, my God. I don't know where I got three weeks at. Uh, 63 days. Sorry. Oh, three weeks is the minimum. So anybody who underwent that same uh, subluxation missed at least three weeks. Uh, but the median was 63. And I think I only had one, two, three, four, five. I only had seven players in, in my kind of quote-unquote database. So kind of smaller sample size. But, yeah, I mean, two months is probably about about right. Yeah, he's been out since July 17th. So, yeah, that'd be about a little less than two months, which is I mean, you know, a, little, a little faster. So, uh, But, of course, he won't be 100% when he comes back. So, Alex, yeah. I don't know, is that a concern that they're bringing back, you know, what's, what a lot of people would say is the future of the franchise and they still have to kind of worry about him getting hurt? Um, I think it's I think it's a weird case because it's at the end of the season, and so like I think typically if this was July, he'd just continue to play in Omaha for a while until he was healthy. But all of the minor league seasons are over, and and so you're kind of in a weird spot where you want him to get the at bats because he's healthy enough to take at bats, but you don't have anywhere to send him on a rehab assignment. So um, I think my official opinion is that if he's not healthy to play baseball the, all the way. Then he's going to play baseball, so don't play him. But it is a weird case where, like, you know, typically I think he'd be on a rehab assignment. There's nowhere to rehab to. And we kind of saw Jorge Soler last year, who never did return from that foot injury. Mm-hmm. Um, as good of a season as he's having, if you remember, um, and it was kind of funny, but uh, our buddy Seth tweeted that quote, that comment about him being a 4A player earlier in the year because he was hitting for power, but his plate discipline numbers were just were really, really out of shape for the first month and a half of the season. And so it does take a while to get back. Oh, my gosh, Alex Gordon is pitching. Um, <laughs> it does take a while to get your timing back. So I understand him wanting to have plate appearances. I just think it's a little bit different knowing that, you know, there's nowhere to send them on rehab. Hold on. I want to see this real quick. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Alex Dude, Gordon I'm excited. He's, he's on the mound. Oh, he's got pine tar in his jersey. Somebody called the, the commissioner's office. <laughs> oh, my awesome. God. It is the seventh inning. They're going to have position players pitch for three innings. <laughs> and, I think, and I think he was throwing sidearm. Yep. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Okay, hold hey, on. This, okay. this has to go on the podcast. Yeah. We have to leave this on you. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're recording this on Monday night. The Royals are down 15-3 to three in the sixth inning. Alex Gordon just came in the game. And so I want to ask you guys who – this is only the, what, the sixth inning or seventh inning? The seventh inning. Seventh inning. So we've got – you know, a couple more innings left to go. I don't know if Gordon's. I don't know if Gordo has it in him to go three innings. So if Gordo can't go, what other position player do you want to see come into this game? Oh man, oh, who do we go? Oh, Starling. Starling. Yeah, Starling. Yeah, right. like, Bubba, he, he, I, I watched Bubba pitch in high school once. He could throw ninety-five off the mound. Yeah. Now he I won't do it in the game, but that'd be cool. Dozier uh, pitching would be okay. Brett Phillips has an arm. I think he's got yeah. a pretty good arm. So yeah, I think Bubba Starling would be the one I'd want to see. I'm surprised he's not here, but maybe because. He's young. Maybe Alex Gordon. This is like you know he. This is what he's always wanted to do in his career, and they like he, <laughs> he lobbied uh, Ned Yost to put him in the game. <laughs> so uh, this is amazing. Uh, okay, well, well that'll do it for our show tonight. We'll end on that note. Alex Gordon pitching in the base in and in pitching on the mound. Uh, thanks to Sean Newkirk and Alex Duvall for being on the show today, and thank you readers and listeners for visiting our site. And we'll talk to you next time. Hey!